0: Well, good morning, welcome. So glad you're with us. Want to welcome those who are joining us online and certainly um, want to add my prayers. And we are continuing to pray for Ukraine and pray for our community. And as we uh, see the needs arise in the next few weeks that God would help us to know how, what our place is and what our part is in that. And um, just also want to let you know that God is still in control. As we shared last week, I was even uh, thinking of you, Gary, this morning Uh, who was our project manager of this uh, remodel and has been coming to our church ever since. Now he's getting all nervous because I brought up his name. But a couple weeks ago uh, when he was uh, before the service, he was telling me that uh, at work on Monday, he missed the last uh, step on the ladder. I don't know if you ever missed the last step on the ladder and he had a whole bucket of paint with him at his job site and that bucket of paint went everywhere. And uh, he just said, he just started laughing and the guys around him started looking and said, what is, what is going on? What are you laughing at? And he goes, I wanted to say there's joy in the house of the Lord today. So it was the song that had been sung the day before. He said that was just stuck in my mind. And so uh, regardless of where we are and what's going on in our lives, there can be joy in the house of the Lord. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and uh, our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our, ba- our joy is based on the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, and so we're talking talking about that Jesus as we do every week, but we're doing it from the the vantage point of the gospel of Mark, Uh, Mark's gospel. As we've been into this four weeks now, we've kind of talked a little bit about how uh, he's kind of a favorite of mine and that he's kind of the underdog. He's uh, maybe the most undervalued, underappreciated of the four gospels, uh, but many of you probably are going to like him because he's also shortest and to the point uh, where Matthew and Luke spend the first two chapters telling the story the birth of Jesus which is wonderful and and, st- and spend chapter three telling about John the Baptist and, and introducing him he starts right off the bat with John the Baptist and he gets right after the point and uh, where Matthew gives the Sermon on the Mount which is three chapters five through seven of Matthew uh, Mark just summarizes things and he says here's all that you need to know and we shared that in in chapter one the first week when Mark said the kingdom of God has come or He repeated Jesus the kingdom of God has has come, and this is the message, repent and believe the good news. Mark just goes straight for the jugular, straight to the point. That's the message, repent and believe in the good news, believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Last week we were talking as well a little bit about uh, how Jesus broke some rules that Mark talked about in order to have a relationship with us. That's because Jesus was a man on a mission, and that's the message today. Jesus, a man on a mission, as we uh, dive into chapter 3 today, the Gospel of Mark begins to outline the, the life and ministry of Jesus and his ministry to us his ministry and his teaching. So if you want to join me in today in your bibles uh, either in your in your physical bibles the old fashioned way like I do or a lot of you I know do it on your on your bible apps and on your iPhones, your smart devices, I encourage you one way or the other to to read it along for yourself. But as well um, just letting you know that um, today as we as we dive into this uh, we're going we're gonna to work through some things kind of quickly. And so here's, here's where we first start of his message, Mark chapter 3, verse 7. And we're kind of working through quickly because as the day goes on, there's probably going to be an aroma or a smell that is going to start competing for your attention. And so uh, the closer you get to the kitchen and to the gym, you can kind of start smelling that. So we're trying to leave those doors shut back there to keep that attention uh, focused in here for a little bit. Jesus... Withdrew with his disciples to a lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Adumia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. This is something that is uh, something to easily read as we read through Scripture. Uh, we've had scripture where we have each of us probably have seven eight nine ten twelve Bibles in our home I was uh, looking today how the the, the the Word of God is continuing to spread technology is spreading we're going to actually share a little bit about that today but um, it's spreading around the world but it's something that we kind of take for granted and because many of us and uh, have read a lot of the scripture it's easy just to read it and just to kind of like pastor Dustin talked about in the way that worship. It's easy to to be there and not be present, but I don't want us to miss this. This was an incredible time to live when Jesus came to earth. It was an incredible time to live, and I don't want us to miss this. It's an incredible time for us to live now, it's really an amazing time, the, the, the time that we're living in. And I know there's chaos and there's brokenness and there's, there's terrible things going on in our world. But I also want to remind us today that as believers that we, we see some things happening that I don't want us to lose sight of or forget that Jesus is coming again. Uh, they, they were, Mark's talking about Jesus coming the first time, but I don't want us to forget that Jesus is going to come again. We believe in the second coming of Christ. We believe that Jesus is going to come and, and return and receive his church, and it's easy to, to lose sight of that. But, and, and some people will think, well, we're crazy for believing that. Well, they thought Noah was crazy. In the days of Noah, they thought he was crazy. But regardless if people think we're crazy or not, Friends, prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, technology is spreading the gospel like never before. I mean, that's one of the prophecies that the gospel is going to go throughout the world. Every tribe and every nation is going to spread to the end. Technology is making that possible. The Bible is being translated at record paces. Uh, about uh, six billion people have... Uh, Part or all of Scripture in their hands. There's another billion people or so to go. That's a lot, but I'm just telling you, it has been going faster and faster and faster, the spread of the gospel. Of course, we know Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. They sound familiar? There'll be earthquakes in various places. The strongest earthquakes I have felt has been in Kansas, not 15 years in California. It's been the strongest ones I've felt here. Famines and pestilences, of various kinds i can 't think of a greater pestilence that i 've experienced and we 've experienced in our lifetime than than the pandemic of the last couple of years It said in the last days that though they 'll call what 's wrong right and they 'll call what right is wrong uh, we 're living in those days you see things they're calling things that are that are wrong and immoral and and ungodly they 're calling it right and things that are and, and, and things that are right they're calling wrong now I don't want to lose sight completely on this. My dad quoted someone. I don't know who it was. I'm sure it was someone else that said this, but my dad growing up would say sometimes, you know, some people are so focused on heaven and the second coming that they're no earthly good. Friends, if we're truly focused on the second coming of Christ, and we're truly focused on that His return, that He's coming again, we not, not only need to be looking up to where our, our redemption draweth nigh, yes, that is the good news, but if, if we're really concerned about it, we need to be looking out too, because there is a world that is lost that needs Jesus. So we need to be looking up and looking out, not just looking up. And I just wanna I'm just trying to let us know that it was incredible times that was happening in Jesus' day. They're incredible times now. The 20th and the 21st centuries have been absolutely amazing. You think about how crowds today, how they can mobilize in just minutes and seconds with, with social media and technology, whatever the cause is, things can mobilize quickly. It's just amazing. I, we think even before we had social media, I mean, back, you know, rock bands, you had Elvis in the 50s, and, and, and the crowds gathered for him. And then in the 60s, he had the Rolling Stones. But 2,000 years ago, before we had social media and technology and TV, word traveled by word of mouth and by foot. And the crowds were Amazing. The crowds that came and followed Jesus, and, and not for the, for the king of rock and roll or for the rolling stones, but 2,000 years ago for the king of kings and, and also for the rock of ages that we sing about today, Jesus. What a time to be alive. Verse 9, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Let's not miss the excitement of this day and this time. Let's not miss what a, what a time to be alive, what, what these people in the days of Jesus were seeing, what they were seeing, the crowds that they were seeing long before they had the media and the technology that we have. Then out of the multitudes, he pulls aside some of his disciples I mean, we don't know the size of this, this crowd in this case, but we can kind of guess because we know, the, the, the of the 5, we know there's the feeding of the 5,000. We know there's the feeding of the 4,000. We know that that was just counting the men. So you add the women into the children. You had 10, 15, 20,000. The crowds were, it was a massive, it was an incredible time to be alive in the, in the days of Jesus in the, in the area of Jerusalem in that part of the world. And yet out of that size of that crowd, Jesus hand selected his disciples. And Mark shares this with us and so going on to verse 13 I believe Jesus went up to the mountainside and he called him he called to them those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonerages, B- 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 which means sons of thunder, butchered that one, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphas, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, let's not miss this, in, in the crowds and all the people, Jesus chose carefully his disciples. And he chose as it's described in Acts, not not the best and the brightest, but he chose ordinary men so that he might do extraordinary things through them. He he handpicked them. He singled them out. Imagine you are part of these crowds, and Jesus hand selects you, and you're just a common worker. You're a fisherman with a common job. I mean, you're a, a tax collector that people hate, and you've been pulled aside. You've been he he. There's a there's a, probably more than twelve disciples that are following Jesus, and yet he's hand selecting his apostles you ever remember being picked or being chosen for something uh, and, and you, were, you felt honored? I, I remember in 2013, uh, Heather and I were at a, a Christian leadership conference in Sacramento. At Bayside Church. There's probably about 4,000 uh, people there from across the, the nation and actually other places in the world. And during an intermission, we were outside and the pastor of that church, you've heard me talk about him before, a wonderful man by the name of Ray Johnston. Ray Ray uh, walked by, saw us, saw Heather and I started talking to us. One of his associates John was with him and uh, he was just talking to us a few moments. We were just in, enjoying, he you know got a church of 15,000. So we were enjoying get, getting to to, to talk with him for a few moments. then so all of a sudden he said, hey, John, have you talked to Kent about Kenya? And uh, he said, no, I haven't. He goes, Kent, I got to go, but John's going to talk to you about something. And I'd love for you to go with us this fall. And that's where in 2013, uh, in the spring was told about an opportunity. He wanted to go with their church and 12 other pastors to Kenya, and it was such, uh, such an honor. I was flabbergasted in that moment. And I was just, I mean, I was excited. And Heather was excited for me, even though she didn't get a go. Uh, she was excited for me to get this opportunity to go there, to, to be chosen. But this is so much greater. Mark tells us here about, about these that are chosen. And I also want us to remember, though, today, greater than a man, who Ray is just a man. Greater than that is God chooses us. God has chosen us. And it's it Mark doesn't say it here, but we know it throughout Scripture, like 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you, and I'm sorry if you're following along in your notes really quickly, the very first one is you've been chosen. I forgot to mention that. You've been chosen. That's the good news. And I wanted to hit that hard, and I didn't hit it hard enough. Uh, You've been chosen. Not just that maybe I was chosen for something of these disciples. We've been chosen. You've been chosen. And so here's what First Peter says about this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him. That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's our why. That's why God's called us. God, is, You want to know why God's called us? He's called us out that we might declare his praises because we've been called out of the darkness into the light that you may declare the praises of him back up please that you may declare that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light that's our mission that's our purpose now we can go on once you were not a people but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. We were the people. We were the Gentiles. The Jews were the chosen. Up until this point, we hadn't been chosen. We weren't a part of the, we weren't, we weren't picked on the team. You ever been left out on the team? Ever not been not picked? Uh, I'm not even talking being the last one picked on the playground. I'm talking not picked at all. We've been chosen, we've been picked, and Jesus Jesus is opening up his team to everyone, and he's given us us this privilege and this honor. We were once not a people, but now we are. We once had not received mercy, now that we are. Uh, Heather's um, brother, uh, Ronnie, uh, also had the blessing one time, I I think I've told this before, but where he, he had the opportunity to be, become friends with uh, the great Hall of Fame and best closer in the in the game ever to play, Mariano Rivera. Uh, many times during the days when Mariano was playing. Uh, during his trips to Kansas City, oftentimes uh, he was at Ronnie's house uh, hanging out during the day before the night games. They, and you wonder, how did he become friends? How did this happen? Mariana didn't know anything about my brother-in-law. He didn't know who he was, what he was, where he is, didn't care about didn't know him. But one of his employees was a relative, and happened to go to a game with him at the Royals, and I'm shortening the story, but what was the door that opened for my brother-in-law to become friends with Mariano was because of a blood relative. It was because of a cousin. And blood, we know, is thicker than water, and that opened the door for him to have a relationship. That's what's opened the door for us, there's a blood relative. There's Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, whose blood relative, whose whose blood who shed for us, made it possible for us to go from being far, like Ronnie was far from anything, Mariano's mind, to being someone that was in close proximity to him. Even better for us, Paul says in Ephesians two twelve, remember, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God. You could preach just a message just on that there. Without God, we have hope. That's what our world is searching for. That's why there's so much hopelessness. That's why suicide is at an epidemic proportions. That's why people are, are such an utter darkness and brokenness is because they're without God. But when we get God, we get hope. But and we were that way too, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. The the, the blood of Christ has brought us close to him. And let me make this even more personal for us today. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I think our theology gets a little twisted sometimes when when we say, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. We didn't find Jesus. We didn't find Jesus. Jesus was looking for us. We were the ones that were lost, not he that was lost. He came looking for us because we were lost. We didn't know him. We were far from him. So we don't find Jesus. We just receive Jesus who finds us. And but we have to make a choice. It was the option was given, and and and, and it was a beautiful thing that was offered to, to us that we would receive Christ, but we have to make a decision to accept that. Uh, back in 1983, my favorite Denver Bronco, not such a great executive, but my favorite Denver Bronco, John Elway, uh, was, playing for the, was supposed to not play for the Broncos. He was drafted by the Colts, number one overall pick. 20 years later, Eli Manning was uh, drafted by the San Diego Chargers. And he ends up playing for the New York Giants. They were both uh, chosen, number one overall. They were chosen, but they rejected that offer. And they said no, because those teams were sorry. And they still are. Um, I'm not a Chargers fan. You guys know that. They're a little bit lower than the Chiefs, you know, somewhere in there. But you have to receive. You have to, you have to accept. And we look in, in, in uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 20 now. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. He is out of his mind. They, we're not talking about signing up for a loser. <laughs> we're talking about Jesus was a winner, and yet his own family rejected him. His own family thought he was crazy. Friends, there's going to be people in our world and if you're following along in your notes there will be people who think you are crazy for following Jesus. You're going to have people. Sometimes it might be friends, sometimes it might be family, might be coworkers, but if you are truly following Jesus, you're going to have times where people think that you are absolutely crazy for following Jesus. His own family thought he was crazy. You may have friends who think that you're crazy. I think about my pastor friend who, uh, one of my pastor friends, who is also a professor at one of our Nazarene um, universities. And his dad is an atheist. Doesn't believe in God. He was raised an atheist. Went to college to play baseball, found Jesus at one of our Nazarene universities. accepted a call in the ministry, became a pastor. To this day, years later, uh, his dad, he, he teaches part-time at one of our universities. His dad will not introduce him as a pastor. He's ashamed that he's a pastor. So he introduces him as my son, the professor. That, that's acceptable to him. That's okay with him. His own family and his dad loves him and he's a good dad. And he's told me, he said, he's a good dad and he loves me, but he thinks what I'm about and what I'm doing, it doesn't make sense to him. It's crazy to him. There will be people who think you're crazy for following Jesus. In some cases, hopefully rarely, but in some cases you'll have people make up lies about you to discredit you. Because it happened to Jesus, it can happen to you. Verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Belzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. They were trying to discredit Jesus. But Jesus responds. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Teachers of the law had rejected God because they'd rejected Jesus. We know that Jesus and the Father are one. And it reminds me of the prayer recorded by the Gospel of John in John chapter 17 when Jesus prayed that as the Father and the Son are one, that we would be one. And here Jesus, through the Gospel of Mark, is talking about a a house divided uh, will not stand. A house divided against itself will not stand. And I, if you're following along in your notes, the, 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 the thing I fully believe that Jesus prayed for is that we would have unity because our strength is in our unity in Christ. Our strength is in our unity in Christ. Our strength is, uh, it, you know, there's so many things that we might try to put our strength in or find our strength in, but the strength and the source of our unity is our unity in Christ, in the person of Jesus. A house divided, Jesus said, against itself, that house cannot stand. I'm convinced the last two years the enemy has had so much fun. And I believe he's smiled wide because he's got a lot of Christians around the world to be divided against each other. He, he's divided Christians over masks. He's divided Christians over getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. He's divided Christians over being Republican or Democrat. He's divided, and I think the enemy just smiles because in all those things, we are not going to find unity. The only thing we're going to find unity is in the person of Jesus Christ. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And while we all are opposed to war, I believe we 100% agree that we don't like war. It has been inspiring to see the Ukrainian people and how they have come together. It has been inspiring to see Democrats and Republicans be, be united for the Ukrainian people and for their freedom. It's been, it's been inspiring to see the world uh, be inspired by the Ukrainian people because they are together behind one mission. And here in Mark's case... Instead of these religious leaders being happy that demons are fleeing? I mean, think about it. Jesus is driving out demons. He's performing miracles. People are being set free. They're being set free from, the, from the, this incredible bondage. And, and these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they can't be happy. They, they're not happy that They've been set free. They, they, they're, 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 they're upset. Instead of these religious leaders being happy that the demons were leaving, they got upset over how they left. Their focus on was what was happening to them and, and how their way of life was being altered. And when we focus on the how, when we focus on the what, we get misfocused. If, we, if, if, we if they would only focused on the who of Jesus and the why he came, they too would have been set free. They too would have been delivered. And if you're following along again in your notes, a house divided against itself, the hows and the whats always divide. The how and what always divide. It's the who and the why that unites. Anytime we focus on the how and the what, it brings division, it divides us. When you focus on, in your marriage, when you focus on how to do things, and what ways to do them, how you do the silverware drawer, how you do the, how, how you do the laundry, how you load the dishwasher, how the house is clean or not, or, or what. When you focus on the how's and the what's, it always divides. But the who and the why unite. So, uh, in 1997, years ago, Seems like years ago, the Broncos. They had a uniform change. It made me angry. As a lifelong, card-carrying Denver Bronco fan, this was my team right here. And in 1997, they'd just been exited out after a 13 and three record, kicked out of the playoffs by the up-and-start Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was the uniform they played in, and then shortly after the season, they came out and they introduced this new, at the time, to me this was ugly, it was sacrilegious, it was wrong, this was the right way, this was the Broncos, this is who we were. And they came out and they changed our uniforms, and I was not in favor of it. I didn't like it, and I didn't show you the whole, I thought the whole uniform was ugly. I loved, I loved the blue, I love the, the, you know, the Bronco with his, you know, the, you know, this just says kill chiefs, kill chiefs, I'm getting, you know, just says I'm getting them. I was focused on the how. Did you just turn me? I was focused on the how and the what, and obviously those in the sound booth and tech booth, Kyle and and Brian, they're focused on the how right now. Um, The how and the what, it, it divides, but the who and the why. So here's what happened that year. The first year in the new uniforms, in the first year in the new helmet, they went on and won the Super Bowl. You know what, I've loved those uniforms ever since. I have fully embraced them, I've loved them because their mission was always to win. And obviously in the NFL, the mission is to make money. And so they, they were changing uniforms because they wanted to be more profitable. They wanted to be more marketable. They wanted to see new people come into their, into their fan base. The how and the what's divide, that's the methods. The, what color the uniforms are, what, what, what style it is. The who and the why, they unite. And that's for, 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 for a sports team, that's winning. Winning is what unites us, and you'll put up with a lot of different whats and a lot of different hows if you're accomplishing the mission. Friend, how's that mean here? Are, are you going to stay on sports and Broncos? What's that mean for us here? What it means for us as a church is same thing. When we focus on the hows and the whats, they they divide us. How we sing. What styles we sing, what, what we sing, the way in which we sing them, the lighting, the not lighting, those, those are hows and whats. Those are, those are methods. The who and the why is the message. And also, I mean, just in other things, I, I just think of so many different things of we can focus on the, on the what and the how, what, what curriculum we use. We can focus on how or what we do children's ministry and youth ministry. We can focus on if the preacher is preaching topically or whether he's preaching exegetically. We can focus on the, on the hows and the what's, and those things have potential to divide us. They never bring, they never bring unity to us. They always We focus on that they, that brings division. But the who and the why, what's our, our who and our why? And by the way, I'll just say this. Um, the way that we do music now, And the style in which we do it right now is not the right way. It's not the wrong way either. It's just a way. It's just a way. It's just a method. And those methods are going to change and different things. We can get focused on the, you know, churches have divided over colors of carpet and paint because it's focused on the how and the what versus the who and the why. The who and the why is what unites us. And what unites us, the who is the person of Jesus Christ. What unites us is, is, is who Jesus is, that he died on a cross for our sins, that he rose again three days later, that the, 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 who is Jesus, the, the why is because we need a savior. The why is because we need to repent and believe the good news and the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. Our message is Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried three days, rose again, defeating our enemy a death and sin. That is our why. That is our who. It's the who of Jesus. It's the why of what he did. And the why is also also that we repent and believe, the message that Mark starts his gospel with. That's the message that unites us. We need to repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ as our only way of salvation. That's what unites us, church. Our message and mission unites us. But when we focus on methods, they divide us. As Pastor Ray has sometimes said, marry your mission, date your methods. Marry your mission, date your methods. Don't get too, if you like like the music right now, don't get too attached to it. It's gonna change. There's gonna be another generation that comes behind us many years ago On a vacation Sunday, I went to Rick Warren's church at Saddleback, and my family were were enjoying uh, some good worship and some good uh, preaching with those good Southern Baptists. And uh, somewhere, their music was like three different styles all in the same service. And he got up to speak after they'd just done this country western song. And I remember to this day what he did. He came up and he said, welcome to Hee Hall Church. If you don't like the style around here, stick around, it'll change. And it's just gonna change because he understood that it's, it's the methods. Methods divide us, but the mission unites us. Friends, I have a married friend, this is a true story. I have a married friend who was having an argument with his wife and I think his wife must have been winning. They're pretty good at that. They, they know the details and the facts, things that we can't remember and they're usually pretty right. And they were having one of these arguments that we all have had. And somewhere in the middle of the argument, he just said, time out, time out. I'm on your team. We're on the same team. I'm for you. We're in this together. And I was curious, I said, how did she respond to that? He said, really well, because in that moment, it helped us to remember that the things that we were arguing about really didn't matter because we were on the same team. We were for one another. We were for the, the, for the mission of, of, our, of our marriage and that we're better together. And friends, we're better together when we're focused on our mission and our message. Methods will always divide us. The hows and whats will always bring division, but the message of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, It unites us. Jesus Christ unites us in what is most important and that he's our savior who loves us when we didn't deserve it. Would you stand with me this morning? I can't believe this, but I told this group, you don't know what always goes on behind the scenes. But today, it was important that I finish on time, not so much in this first service, but in the second service, because they wanted to know where to serve dinner. I'm supposed to pray for the meal, but that seems kind of weird right now, because we're not ready for it. We'll do that in the second service. I'll let you pray for your own meal, but how about I just pray a blessing over us today? Heavenly Father, thank you for the message and the mission of Jesus Christ. Our message, Lord, that unites us together in this room and online and the church around the world, in Africa, in Asia, South America, North America. Lord, in every corner of the world, the message that unites us as a church is that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, rose again three days later, defeating our enemy of death and sin. And our mission, our mission is to tell that good news, over and over and over and over again to tell the good news of Jesus Christ that if we will repent of our sins and receive you as our Lord and Savior, you'll come into our life and you'll make us a brand new person inside. And I pray for someone just in this room right now, whether online or whether in this room, the most important thing you can do right now is to accept God's love for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. To repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you, to ask Jesus to forgive you and to come into your heart and in your life and ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior. Father, thank you for the mission that you've given us and thank you for the good news and the message you've given us to share that you love us so much to send your only son to die for us, that whoever believes in him and believes in you will have everlasting life. In Jesus' name.